We're continuing in our series in Leviticus. We come this morning to Leviticus chapter 9. Our New Testament complementary passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 15, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So if you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in honor of God's word, please stand. Second Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 16, hear God's word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thus far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Leviticus chapter 9 and continuing in the reading of God's word. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with fire outside the camp. Then he killed the burned offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar, and they handed him the burnt offering to him, piece by piece, and the head, and he burned them on the altar, and he washed the entrails and the legs, and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering, and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people, and killed it, and offered it as a sin offering, like the first one. And he presented the burnt offering, and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar beside the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram and the sacrifice of peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he drew it against the sides of the altar. 
But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breasts and he burned the fat pieces on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh, Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. As far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Father, as we come to this overwhelming scene, draw our eyes to the key details. Draw our hearts to sing your praise. In his name, amen. Please be seated. The eighth day. That seven days of purification has been completed. Aaron and his sons are finally, truly priests. On the eighth day, God gives a promise. He gives a promise to the people of Israel and he says, If you do this thing, you will see the glory of God. Now, if I were to say to you, We will behold the glory of God in worship today. Would you think that you were walking into a Presbyterian church? Beholding the glory of God seems like it ought to come with some smoke, with some thunder. Beholding the glory of God seems like it ought to come in the sound of the whirlwind or the thunder. Not so much in the still, small voice where God himself speaks. But he speaks in that still, small voice some pretty amazing pictures, beloved. And I don't know how you could go through that text if you were paying the least bit of attention and not see the most amazing seen ever. Because here Aaron is done and he presents the sacrifices and we see Moses and Aaron finally enter into the tent of meeting. The people see the glory of God. And so this is a glorious scene. I mean, I I just... This scene is something that it's, like I say, it's a tapestry. This whole thing is a, is, a, is a tapestry. And I can't explain everything or I explain nothing. But, but I can at least draw your eyes to just two or three things in here that have warmed my heart as I've, as I've considered them. Just, just two or three things in this glorious scene. But beloved, please, I want to communicate this is a scene. <laughs> And, and I would note, for all who may say that they're disappointed that the glory of God is not coming with crashing cymbals and, and smoke machines, did you hear a band? 
You know what the only sound those people heard that day was? The screams of the goats. The grunts of the bulls. That's what was going on auditorially that day. Auditorially. The glory of God is displayed completely powerfully here but in a way which itself is just a shadow. And so I want to look at the burnt offering. I want to look at this priest who is offering this burnt offering. And then thirdly, I want to look at God's glory. Now, as we read through the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, we if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been going through Leviticus and we've been seeing all these various offerings. And you would be forgiven if you didn't notice the one section that's missing here. If you look through this list of offerings and compare that to the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus, all the offerings are being offered here except one. As soon as I say it, you'll recognize it. (laughs) The trespass offering. That whole section that we went through on trespass offerings and unintentional sins and, and things that are drawn to our attention and, and those sorts of things. And I think that's significant here. In these, in these tapestries, it's not only significant what's there, but it's also significant what's left out. Because you see, at this point, there is no trespass. At this point, the worship of God is being instituted. At this point, once Aaron has offered the burnt offering for himself, the sin offering for himself, the sin offering for the people of Israel, he hasn't had time to commit trespasses. And so he immediately goes into the peace offering. And that's significant because not just this is all happening on one day and Aaron hasn't had time to commit trespasses yet. But what it shows us is a perfect relationship with God. This is where Eden finally is. Complete forgiveness. Complete restoration. So that through this burnt offering, we can now go back into the Holy of Holies, the treasure chamber, the place of gold and light and bread, the place of mercy. Angels peering on that seat. Now we are united, but beloved, did you see what kind of offering that is? It's a burned offering. And the language there actually is the same language that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5. You see, it's not that this offering went upon the altar, and somehow God was appeased. It's not that there's some magical ritual in the priest or the worshiper laying their hand upon the animal and my karma is... This becomes a mass, a a horrible, black, roasted, ugly, grotesque, charcoal, 
mass of sin. My Savior, your Savior, on the cross became sin for you. And that's what we see in that burnt offering. And we see it over and over again. You know, I also find something that strikes me about this passage, and again, I can't cover it all, but something that strikes me about this passage is how many times over the past, what, 3,000 years, 3,500 years, how many times have people encountered this passage? How many times have they, they been in their journey, from the time it was written, people that didn't look a thing like me, didn't speak a language, it spoke a language that frankly I'd spent four years trying to figure out and still I'm learning. <laughs> but how many people have drawn nourishment from this, from this vision of a priest? This vision of a sacrifice, this vision of a place where we come in from the desert, we come in from the wilderness, and we see this strange thing going on. And we see through these shadows the glorious truth. What Jesus became for you is this grotesque, ugly thing that's on top of that altar, burning to a black mass. But beloved, look at that priest taking those very hands that he has dipped with blood, smeared the horns of the altar, thrown those bloody hands up against that altar, and now those hands dripping in blood raise in benediction. Those priests' hands dripping with the blood of the sacrifice. In chapter 9 and verse 22, it says, And Moses lifted his hands and blessed, or Aaron, I'm sorry, Aaron lifted his hands and blessed the people. Can you see the vision? Can you see that priest? The one who doesn't offer the blood of another. The one who certainly never came and offered a bullock for his own sin. Aaron at the start was saying, I'm not the guy. But the one who himself was our high priest. And the one who himself offered himself. And the one who himself is now reconciled to God. The one who himself is risen from the dead ascended and seated at his Father's right hand, to whom, if you are his child, you are united, so that nothing can ever separate you from the love of that God of heaven and earth that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor things above, nor things beneath, Anything in all the earth can come between you and the loving care of your heavenly Father. 
because of this high priest. This shadow, this, as glorious as this shadow is. I mean, this is a cool shadow. <laughs> but it's just a shadow. And beloved, what Jesus Christ offers to you and to me is life. Finally, the people looked at the glory of God. They looked at the glory of God. As we look through this ancient priest's hands, raised in benediction, bloody benediction, raised in blessing over the people of God, all that screaming of the animals finally over, all that horrible smell finally calmed down, the stuff dragged outside the camp, those hands finally raised in benediction. The glory of God consumes. Fire comes down. You see at the end of chapter 9. Fire comes down, consumes on the altar, announces it is sufficient, and the people of God shout and fall on their faces. That shadow of it's finished was enough to make them fall flat on their faces. That shadow that you and I have. And I'm not saying, because I'm a Presbyterian, that you need to shout and fall on your face. I'd prefer you didn't. But I think if those people can shout and fall on their faces, I think maybe you and I can at least smile and live. I think you and I can at least follow in His paths. I think you and I can recognize that He has not simply given you another shadow. But He's given you His Spirit. He's given you Himself. He's given you His very life. So that you and I... Why do you think Paul calls it our reasonable service? <laughs> What's unreasonable? What is the reasonable thing to do in response to this? To the glory of God. And to the glory of God in reconciliation. The glory of God in the perfect high priest. The glory of God when I've seen the depravity and the depth of my need and now I see the height of His provision for me. The comfort and the security that I must have. The heart and the compassion and the love that I should have. The reflection of Him. A reasonable service, doing all to the glory of God, flows most heartfelt. It flows most beautifully. It smells most sweet when it begins right here at a table. A table of communion, a table of profession, a table where you say his body was broken because I should have been.
His blood was shed because my blood should have been. I deserve to be that smoking mess of nasty on that altar. And yet, because he gave his life for me, I rejoice. Almighty God, your gospel is sweet to the ears, it's sweet to the eyes, it's sweet to the taste. May our ears, our eyes, our words be sweet reflections. Nourish us in this gospel truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.